you know, we, we just want to be your church. We want to love you. I try to get around and meet the, the new people, but I don't I don't always make it to you. So uh, just know that you're, you're welcome, and we just sure appreciate that you've uh, just taken the, the step of coming to worship with us this morning. And just know if, uh, if you need anything, uh, us pastors have our cell phone numbers on the back of this bulletin. And just reach out to us in the week, and we'll, we'll do our best to, to love you or help you out any way that we can. Uh, we just uh, have a lot going on this summer. Uh, most of it's in the bulletin. Um, one, of the, one of the big changes is our Wednesday night service. We're having our Wednesday nights at the park. It's called Summer in the Psalms. And we just go to Washington Park at 5.30 on Wednesday nights, and we grill some burgers, and you can bring a side dish, or you don't, you don't have to if you, if you didn't make it out of work on time. But we're just bringing side dishes and bring your chairs, and uh, we just kind of sit down and, and uh, learn, learn about the Psalms and fellowship together. We have a, a little uh, a lesson for the kids. We take them off and play some games, and it's just a good time for us to come together. It was really great last week. It was just great. So if you didn't come, please come. And uh, enjoy that time with us from 5.30 to 7 at Washington Park. It's kind of over by the swimming pool area. Down there's a flat piece of grass down there. And you'll see us if you go over by the swimming pool. So go on over there. And then uh, we've just got, got a lot of other things. I'm not going to take the time to cover them. But uh, just to make sure that you, make sure that you uh, just plug in. We, we are, God's doing some great things among us. And honestly, if you just come and, and join up with what's going on, You'll be blessed, and we'll be blessed to have you. So let's uh, stand up and worship the Lord this morning. God, thank you so much that you brought us here. Thank you that you, you found us in our places, God, and you brought us here this morning. Lord, we're, we're not here by accident. We're here on purpose. We're here because you love us and because you've sought us out. And I pray that we just embrace that in our hearts and, and uh, not think that we're, we're just here uh, visiting or in a, in a skeptical way, but in a, in a way that we know that you have something for us. We know that you want us here, and you know, we know that you're for us, Lord. So let us worship you today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll speak into the psalm. Let's begin by reading the last one in the book today. Let's read with me. To read, let's read together. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you have breath this morning, praise the Lord with us this morning. I am not skilled to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. I only know at His right hand stands one who is my Savior. I take Him at His word. Christ died to save me this I And in my heart I find a need of Him to be my Savior That He would leave His place on high 
Tell someone about it this morning.
Sing again this morning. places I will call. Incline your ear to me anew, and hear my cry for mercy, Lord. Were you to count my sinful ways, how could I come meets my gaze I stand redeemed by grace alone I will wait for you I will wait for you on your word I will rely I will wait for you surely wait for you till my soul is satisfied Take courage in his power to save, completely and forever one, by Christ emerging from the grave, I will wait for you, I will wait for you on your Let all who trust in him today find healing in his sacrifice. I will wait for you, I will wait for you through the storm and through the night. I will wait for you, surely wait for you for your Surely wait for you 
be seated. This is Sarah Schaff. She's going to share about the free wheelchair mission. Hello. Okay, so Saturday is our Move for Mobility 5K. If you guys don't know what that is, um, it's through the free wheelchair mission, and we're um, raising money for people in third world countries to receive chairs. In third world countries, you're not likely to get a chair, and many times you're considered an outcast and kind of ostracized, but through the free wheelchair mission, that's like a tongue twister, um, they get a chair and they get to hear about the gospel. So they're getting their physical needs met as well as an opportunity to get their spiritual needs met. So it's a really cool ministry. So what this 5K is, is we're raising money um, and uh and so then they're going to deliver chairs. We're not sure where, but it's somewhere in the world, in a third world. They've been to 94 countries so far. So it's a pretty awesome ministry. So thank you all who signed up to do this. There's 150 people in the church that signed up. So details <laughs> now. Yes. Saturday is the big day. It's at 11 o'clock, and we're meeting at Fort Casper. If you guys could show up. A little bit early, that would be great because we want to start the race right at 11. We're gonna not. We're gonna meet in the back area at Fort Casper. Um, last year we met in the front park area, and we're gonna meet by the playground. Um, and so, come then. Obviously, you guys probably saw the T-shirts. And they're all lined out. So if you signed up, just your sizing is out there. It show, there's a list that says what size you signed up for. And just take your T-shirts because I don't want to take 150 home. So just take them, please. Um, food and drinks. So hamburgers and chips and hot dogs are supplied. You guys can bring a salad and a drink or a side and a drink. Something to share for everybody, okay? We have it mapped out better this year. Last year, a few of you ran a 10K. And it was because we didn't maybe make it as clear as we should have. So this year, we're hoping to not do that. And so I'll be sharing a map online as well. But if you just meet at the park and follow the crowd, then hopefully we'll all get back at the same point. Okay? Um, pledge cards. There's pledge cards out there. If you guys haven't donated and you feel led to donate, you can grab a pledge card and donate there. Also, I've been sharing links on Facebook. Um, you can click on the link and donate there. Um, and I think that's it. Besides the fact that I want to share a story with you, um, there's actually someone in Casper that reached out to me that said, she actually received a chair. She was living in Uganda, working with the African Children's Choir, and one of her sons um, has a disability, and he received a chair. And just um, the story is so impactful. Just when you hear it, you know how much this ministry um, touches people. So let me find it here. Okay, her name is Holly. Uh oh, hold on. I'm not good with this. Okay. 
There it is. Don't touch it. Okay. We lived in Uganda for 10 years. It wasn't long after I had my first son, Israel, or Izzy, that we learned there was something wrong. There was at the time no MRI in the country, so based only on symptoms, he was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. He has seizures and spastic quadriplegia. Later, when we had moved here, Izzy was five at the time. He had an MRI in Denver, and we learned he actually has a rare congenital brain malformation. The name is long, but PMG is for short. Back to Africa for a short time, we could make do with a stroller, but by the time Izzy was about four, he was just too tall, and, and the spasticity of his muscles made sitting in an umbrella stroller difficult and uncomfortable. I spoke with a physical therapist that I had met who was connected with the nonprofit organization called Soft Power. He knew about the chairs through the organization that they are supporting and helped me apply for one. It made a huge difference especially with the wheels being all terrain, we could take walks again. It also made a difference to feel and see my child's needs valued by others in a culture where that was not often the case. In Uganda, very often it is believed that special needs child is a curse or a child of a demon or a signal that the mother is wicked. After the children and their mothers are often the children and their mothers are excommunicated and left without support of the community. Even though I hadn't experienced that degree of hardship due to my privilege as a foreigner, I definitely felt the loneliness and lack of acceptance in public spaces. Ultimately, we moved here, and I remember crying in relief when we met the school staff and therapy staff and other moms who weren't afraid to open up. So I'm so grateful for the opportunities in front of Izzy now, but I will never forget that first chair and the feeling of hope it provided. It went to a different little girl after us, one who likely will never have the opportunity to get here. She lives, the, she lives in a rural area with her loyal grandmother, Cato. The PT told me that her grandmother wept when he took the chair to her. I never got to meet with them because of our departure was so quick and not much planned. But I think of them often, and I hope that little girl knows her worth. Maybe in part, that began with just having a chair. So that's their story, and that's the impact that these chairs have on on people in these developing countries. So I hope that it inspires you and just encourages you to be a part of this. And thank you all. If you didn't sign up and didn't get a t-shirt, you're still welcome to join us. Like, we just want this to be a community and a church family coming out together to run this 5K together. Or walk it, or bike it, or kayak it, whatever you want to do. Just meet at, at Forecast for a little before 11 on Saturday. So I guess I'll see you then, right? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Thank you, Sarah. Now, if we can have uh, Leanne and Tori and Caleb come up here. There's some new graduates. And while they're coming up here, uh, I've met that little boy, Israel. He's been in our, in our gym here. His, uh, his mom, Holly, has moved back here. Uh, they were, she was kind of a missionary there. Come on up. Come on up here. And uh, 
their kids to play upward basketball. And uh, this whole winter, I would, I would come talk to that boy, Israel, and he's a sweet boy. And it's just amazing our church can be involved in this ministry to send wheelchairs around the world. Ah, you guys, and you guys are awesome. Uh, I, I want Ashton to come up here, too. Ashton has walked, uh, she's on the youth leadership team here, and she's walked with Tori and Leanne these years. Uh, this is pretty special to me to see you guys graduating. Don't be nervous up here. These are your people. They all love you, you know. And, and uh, you know, you guys have seen uh, Leanne and Caleb grow up in the church, and you, you haven't been there as long, but you've been here quite a while, quite a long time you've been here among us. And it's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, you guys, graduating high school. Caleb, he, uh, he's, man, he's like, you guys remember when you were this age, trying to figure out what it is you're going to be? And, man, it's a, it's a lot of pressure on these guys. And I always try to encourage them not to have the, the pressure, but it's impossible not to feel that pressure weighing down on them. But uh, Caleb, is, uh, he's been going to college through high school, and he's just two, uh, two classes or credits Two classes, two prerequisites short of uh, his pre-respiratory uh, 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 therapy degree. And uh, he's not sure if that's what he's supposed to be, but uh, that's where he's going. Yep. <laughs> and Leanne, she's about to leave us. She's going to the College of the Ozarks. That's where her brother Taylor is at right now. And uh, she's going there to do to become a veterinarian. So pre-vet is what she's going to do. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's far away. She's, we're not going to see her except on the holidays. So, <laughs> yeah, I know that's how we feel. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's great. And Tori, Tori is just graduated on Friday. And she, you should come talk to her. I, I, I'm not going to tell you everything about Tori, but she's got some awesome things going on in her life. And if you, if you uh, care about her, just come talk to her. She has some, some, just some great things going on in her life. Um, but but in, uh, in terms of education, she's uh, going to take a year off. She's working at a daycare. Her heart has always been to, to go into teaching. And so she's just, that's right. We, we need teachers. Yep. So... I wanted to give you guys this, this gift. It's probably the best gift that I, I've ever given you because that's what we teach is the Bible. That's one of the things that I've been in your life all these years is, is a, a teacher of this book. And, you know, it's, you guys have Bibles and you're, you've, you've learned the Bible and you've studied the Bible. But, man, this is, this is the only thing that I would really ever give you and know that, I, that, that this is right for you. This is what you're supposed to be. Um, I don't know where you guys are going to land, and neither do you, but I know that that thing right there will, will take you to the place where you need to be. God will speak to you through that. He'll talk to you through that. He'll guide you through that and put that thing in your heart like you have these years. I've watched all three of you guys put that in your heart these years, and, and it's going to keep you. Um, I wanted to say something to you guys. First of all, I hope you realize what a legacy that you've had. I know, I know your parents. I know you since you were little, and I've seen people, your parents and the people of this church, investing in you guys, and and raising you up, and giving you opportunity, and loving you, and walking with you, and praying for you. And you're where you're at today, with standing on this big foundation of godliness and purpose. And and it's amazing. You should you should really we should all celebrate that. These are our kids. These are part of our family. Secondly, you're about to, you know, leave the youth group 
You're about to head out into the world. You're going to be moving away, Leanne. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're going, right? But this church is all across the world. I've been all over the world and walked into churches and the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters, your fathers and mothers, your aunts and uncles, they're here in Christ. And you need these people. And it, you need them here. When you're here, you need to, you need to plug into this place. And where, where you're going, you need to plug into that place. There, there's a church for you that needs you and that you need it. And don't walk away from that church. We love you. The church loves you. God's church loves you, and he has a place for you. So I pray that you'll just be in that church and be part of it. I'm so excited for you guys. Um, come over here. We're going to lay our hands on you guys, and we're going to pray for you that God, will, that God will, uh, will walk with you. God, thank you, Lord, for Caleb and Leanne and Tori. God, I'm just thankful for them. I pray that you would just go with them as they go out, Lord, into the world as they're adults now. And, moving out into your plan, Lord. I pray that you would bless them richly, Lord, with, with purpose, God, that you'd bless them richly with ministry, that you'd give them people to love and people to walk with, Lord, that they would lead lead the people you've given them, lead them to Christ, lead them to, to, to healing, lead them to you, Father, lead them to a deeper place. God, I just pray that you'd guide them as they go out and try to figure out what they're going to be, Lord, and what you're going to make them into. And I pray that they would go in courage and faith, knowing that you're going to do great things to them. I know you are. I pray that upon them. Thank you for being our great God. Amen. Love you guys. Stand if you would. Let's sing about this Savior that we can trust in. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the Sith of sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge you neath the healing cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more Precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease, just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Oh, uh-huh.
I'm so glad I learned to trust you. Precious Jesus, save your friend. And I know that thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. together from Psalms this morning again. My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. When my heart is overwhelmed, I will look to you alone. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. You will stand when others fall. You are faithful through it all. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. In the blessing, in the pain.
through this pretty simple little book and yet this pretty profound little book of Ruth in the Bible and you know it's it's amazing to me sometimes just how how good God is Uh, you know I I know that I know many of you know that and yet sometimes it's easy just to forget how good God is now it's just thinking about God in his the depth of his love and his grace that we see in the book of Ruth and and I kind of just was led over to Romans chapter 11 where the Apostle Paul, you don't have to turn there, but the Apostle Paul was just basically describing how the Gentiles have been grafted into the Israelites, but he was talking about the fact that though they were disobedient, God had shown them mercy and how though the Jews were disobedient at the time, how there's going to come a time for God to show mercy to them. And in verse 32, it says, for God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. And that's a shocking little verse because, you know, really what God is saying is that every single person on this planet has been a disobedient to God. Every single person. The only exception was Jesus Christ, the Lord. But every person has been shut up in disobedience. In other words, there's no excuse for anyone. All of us have been judged and condemned by God and judged and condemned justly by God, all of us, regardless of what sin it is or what kind of sin it's been or how much. But don't you love the fact that he shut us all up in disobedience that he might show mercy 
to all. Isn't that amazing? I mean, God is a merciful God, but what was so attractive to me about this passage as I thought about Ruth today was the, what follows in verses 33 through 36 of Romans 11. It says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Man, of all the things that we should be thinking about and all the things that we should be looking for in the scriptures is this incredible God, this incredible God who has done things the way that you and I would never do. We would never do this. I mean, who would have ever thought that God would just show us mercy? Who would ever thought that God was gonna come and even shut us all up in disobedience? There's no excuse, right? He's gonna make it plain. Every man, woman, boy, and girl are sinners and yet shut us all up in disobedience that he might show mercy to all. It's an incredible thought to me and, and quite honestly, I love that there's a God who is so much better, so much different, filled with so much more love and grace and who understands the value of people like you and I have never understood. I mean, we live in a, a pretty, pretty horrible world sometimes, don't we? I mean, this just last week, the shooting down in Texas, it just, I, I just don't. I just don't comprehend it at some level. How is that possible? Uh, and we, lots of things we could say about that. But in the midst of this broken world, in the midst of this sinful world, in the midst of my sin, in the midst of your sin, we have a savior, right? We have a redeemer. We have someone that's moving, someone that wants to work in our lives, someone that wants to show mercy to us. And man, do we need to see him, don't we? So let's look at Ruth chapter three and let's talk about seeking security from the Redeemer. Beginning of verse one, Ruth chapter three. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman with whose maids you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourselves, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. She said to her, all that you say, I will do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for Jesus. I don't know what else I could say. You love us, though we are sinners. You have created us in your image, and so therefore our value to you is worth the sacrifice of your son. That's incredible to me. I'm thankful, Lord, that in the midst of a broken world, You've come to save, you've come to redeem, you've come to give security, you've come to give peace and rest. And I pray, Lord, that everyone here this morning would know you as Lord and Savior. 
And I pray for those of us who know you, Lord Jesus, may we turn to you daily, moment by moment, and trust you. And I pray you'd speak this morning through your word, and I'll just give you praise for what you do. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we've, we've already been talking about Ruth, like I've said, and last week we, we began to see kind of God's grace, right? The book starts with Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons leaving Israel, leaving God, leaving the promises, leaving the covenants of God, basically leaving the people of God, going to Moab, which was forbidden to be. They were great enemies of Israel, and they went over there believing that in their own strength, they were going to preserve their lives. In their own strength, they were going to make their plans happen, which is so common for us. I mean, it's so common. All of us, I mean, really, literally every single one of us believe we got a plan for our life. We believe we can make that happen. We kind of believe we control the future. You know, we just got to work harder. We got to be smarter. We got to be faster. I don't, stronger, whatever. But the truth of the matter is, is that every single time you walk away from God, you really are on your own, but you don't control anything. I mean, Elimelech dies not long, not long after they go there. Naomi doesn't return to Israel even then. Her two sons marry Moabite women. Then her two sons die. And there they are, these three widows without help. And finally, Naomi moves back and through the longer story, but Ruth decides she's going to stay. Ruth makes this great declaration, where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I'll die, and I'll be buried where you're buried. I mean, she commits to following Ruth, but she really commits to the God of Israel. And they come back, and as we learned last week, we talked about this incredible undeserved grace that God offers because they come back and Naomi is just this bitter woman. She's so bitter that she actually, when they come back to Bethlehem, she actually, they actually begin to call her, oh, Naomi's home, Naomi's back. Oh, where, where have you been, Naomi? And she goes, don't call me Naomi. That means pleasant. She says, call me Mara. That means bitter. And she says, I left full, but God has brought me back empty. She's bitter at God. She's mad at God. God's been unfair to her, even though she's the one that went away from God, even though she's the one that rebelled, even though she had gone through this consequence because she would not trust God. She's bitter at God. But then we saw this amazing thing happen last week. Ruth, who Naomi hasn't even considered much, says, let me go out and start gleaning so we can have some food to eat. Lo and behold, she goes into a field and she quickly finds out this field is owned by a guy named Boaz. When Boaz realizes who she is, he just begins to pour into her. First, he tells her that she can drink from the water that the guys have drawn. He brings her to, her, to his table. He feeds her, fills her up, sends her home with food that night so that Naomi will have something to eat. He tells his servants, do not harm her. Do not let anything bad happen to her. At the end of the day, he's having them pull out some barley for her and making it easier for her to gather. And she gathers, the, it says, three ephahs of flour. It's about 40 or, or of barley. It's about 40 or 50 pounds, which would have been enough to live on for about a month or so. And it's so crazy that when she gets back, Naomi actually says, where were you gleaning? And she tells him, or tells her, in Boaz's field. And Naomi 
begins to show some change in her heart. She says, man, bless that guy and may the Lord bless that guy. I mean, she all of a sudden realizes that, you know, things are changing a little bit because honestly, they're beggars. As widows in Israel, there is no one to take care of them. There is no one to protect them. They're they're as vulnerable as they can be. They're beggars. They're going into somebody's field and begging for food to keep themselves alive. And somebody has blessed them. In other words, God is working in their life. Neither one of them deserve it. I mean, truly, neither one of them deserve it. You know, Naomi, she was rebellious against God. I know that because we're college heights, no one's ever been rebellious against God except me. Lord knows I was. It's the worst part of my life. I I mean that. It breaks my heart to think that I was rebellious against my Savior. But I certainly was. And to recognize that there's, there's no real reason for God to love me is still the most true thought in my mind. And that why he would yet is still amazing to me. But Ruth, Ruth might have been even more kind of crazy than Naomi. We've talked about that. She's a Moabite. Moabites during this time that they live in had kept running, if you will, raiding into Israel, taking their food, killing their people, destroying their lives for year after year, and then God would raise up a judge and deliver them. But I mean, they were hated. And not only that, but if you go back to Numbers 25, and we're not going to turn there, there was a time in Israelites' history where the Moabite women enticed the Israeli men into sexual immorality and brought this great judgment from God upon them. And if that weren't enough, do you know the origin of the Moabites? The origin of the Moabites, if you read the Bible, were was after Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed and God had saved Lot and his wife and two, two daughters. And on the way out, the wife turned around in unbelief. And God turned her, the Bible says, into a pillar of salt. And after that, Lot and his daughters went up into a cave. And there the daughters said, look, we got, we got no, no inheritance. We got nobody to carry on our family. And they actually talked themselves into creating or making their dad Lot drunk, and then each of the girls slept with him and became pregnant. The Moabites were the son of the first daughter. These aren't, these aren't people that are highly respected. These are people that, man, they're questionable at best. And so here you see this picture of Ruth and Naomi, rebellious and outcasts, widows, no one to care for them. And we come to chapter three after God has already kind of moved to show them he was working. I mean, is God working in your life, by the way? I mean, if I sat down with you one-on-one and said, how's God working in your life? Would you have an answer? Because I promise you this, that God is working in your life. He's uniquely aware of you. He knows the hairs of your head. He knows the words that you're going to speak before you speak them. He knows who you are. He created you. He loves you. And he is working in your life. But I'm not so sure that that Naomi and Ruth really understood it. But they were beginning to, right? And we come to chapter 3 and Naomi kind of says to Ruth, Hey, shouldn't I want to create some security for you? Now, I love this because, as we said, when we came to the book of Ruth, Naomi comes back to Bethlehem and says, man, 
God sent me out full, now I'm empty. She doesn't even mention Ruth. She doesn't even talk about Ruth. It's like Ruth didn't even matter to her because she was so bitter at God. But now God's been working. She's been blessed by Boaz. And now all of a sudden, maybe her heart's beginning to change because she's starting to show some love. Man, I, I got to tell you, one of the sweet things about God working in our life is that we'll have a change of heart. It always happens. If God's working in your life. You're going to have a change of heart. and Love is going to be part of your life. So she says to her, man, I care about you. I, I want you to have some security because without basically a husband, you're going to be on your own. No one to protect, no one to provide. So she says, here's what I want you to do. And this is a, this is a crazy plan. She says, I want you to get cleaned up. I want you to get the best clothes you can get on you. I want you to anoint yourself, means put on something that smells really nice. And I want you to go down at dusk to the threshing floor where I know Boaz is because he's finishing up the harvest. He's threshing out the grain, separating the chaff from the grain so you can eat it and store it. And I want you to watch I want you to watch what he does. And basically, I want you to watch where he's going to lay down. Because if you don't see before dark, they're not going to find him, right? It's dark. They don't have lights. They don't have street lights. They don't have house lights. They don't have flashlights. I mean, they might have some torches, but you're not going to be carrying that around. You've got to go find out where this guy's going to be because I want you to do something that's highly unusual. I want you to find out where he's going to lay down. And then once he falls asleep, I want you to uncover his feet, and want you to lay down at his feet. And then once he wakes up, he'll tell you what to do. Now that's a little bit weird for sure. It's a little dangerous. We've already talked about this, right? In the first chapter, Boaz specifically says to his servants, do not harm this woman. It was not uncommon for that to happen, especially from an outcast, a foreigner who had no one to protect her, it could have easily happened if Boaz says, I'm going to protect you. Naomi says, don't leave Boaz's field so that you can be safe because they all know how dangerous it is. And yet then Naomi says, I'll tell you what, you go down and basically kind of expose yourself to the possibility of being mistreated. Middle of the night, nobody there, lay down next to a man. Now, thankfully, Boaz was already proven to be a man of character. Still really an unusual thing. But what's even more unusual is that by her laying down at his feet, she's literally saying, marry me. I know that wouldn't be the case in our culture, but that was the case in their culture. She's saying, marry me. Now, that's pretty forward, if you will, for the times. It'd be pretty forward today. I mean, I know women ask men to marry them today, but it never happened in those days. And certainly for a Moabite to say to an Israelite, marry me, it was highly unusual. And let's be honest, it was pretty risky. It wouldn't have been surprising for Boaz to go, that's never going to happen. But the Bible says, she said to her, Ruth said to Naomi, all that you say, I will do. Now, I love that because all along this story, one of the underlying themes of this story is just Ruth. She's an incredible young woman. She's already proven her faith toward 
for, toward her mother-in-law, Naomi. She's already proven at some level this faith in God, but now she's going to go all the way. Naomi, if that's what you think is best for me, I'm going to step out and do this. Now, I, I don't know about you guys, but rejection is not, not fun. I don't, I don't want to be rejected. Nobody wants to be rejected. Nobody wants to kind of put themselves out there and go, marry me, and then go, no thanks. But God's been moving, and so she's looking forward to God. Now, do you not realize that if we're not going to step out in faith, we're never going to see God's incredible grace in our life. We're never going to see it. So many of us in this room today, both unbeliever and believer alike, have got to start stepping up and putting our faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, we've got to start stepping up. Are you in a relationship, husband, wife? Are you working with someone that, you know, sometimes is hard to work with? Are you frustrated and angry? Are you hurt and broken? Are you afraid? Do you have no direction? It's all going to take faith to get to where you need to be. It's all going to take faith. You're never going to get there until you start trusting Christ, that he would be all that you need him to be that he would forgive and heal and give strength and wisdom and insight and direction and forgiveness and perseverance and hope. Man, Ruth, she's stepping out in faith. We need to step out in faith. Well, let's go on because it's pretty crazy what happens. Verse six says, so she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. Then when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain and she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. It happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled, you think, and bent forward, and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. That doesn't happen every day. He said, who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. You are a kinsman redeemer. Now, this picture is, is pretty amazing. This term spread your cloak over me, spread your garment over me. It, it is the actual saying that says, marry me. But it's deeper than that. It's make a commitment to me. It's make a covenant with me. It's make me yours. Over in Ezekiel chapter 16, which is literally one of my favorite chapters. It's one of the most difficult chapters for me to read in the Bible. It is God describing to Israel how his relationship with her grew. Not only to the place where we're going to read this morning, the verse we're going to read this morning, which is covered, God covering them, but on to the fact that though God had been so good to them and blessed them, they then rebelled against him. And the description of that is, it's graphic. And it's heartbreaking. But I want you to hear Ezekiel 16, 8, because it pertains to this covering. God says to Israel, then I passed by you and saw you, and behold, you were at the time for love. So I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. I swore to you and entered into a covenant with you so that you would become mine, declares the Lord. And the picture is, obviously, 
a physical picture of covering Israel's physical nakedness, but that's not what he's talking about. The nakedness that Israel had was that they did not have a relationship with God. They did not have a relationship with God. And because of that, they were exposed. They were vulnerable. They couldn't have a relationship with God apart from his grace. And the Bible says, so God saw their vulnerability, saw their nakedness, if we will, saw their spiritual nakedness, if you will. And he covered them with their skirt. But don't you love, with his skirt, but don't you love what he says? In covering you, I swore to you and entered into a covenant with you so that you would become mine. Now, that's powerful to me. I mean, there's not a person here this morning that's not vulnerable to God. If you are here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are naked and exposed to God spiritually. He knows who you are. He knows what you need. He knows that what you need is to become his. And he's made a covenant with us through Christ Jesus our Lord that all who would believe in him would be covered and become God's son or God's daughter. It's an amazing thing. But you take this back and you apply it to Ruth and Ruth is saying to Boaz, cover me. Make a covenant with me. Make me your wife. She's literally proposing to him because she knows how vulnerable she is. It's this kind of crazy, humbling thing. I mean, she knows that she's not going to have a protector. She knows that she's not going to have a provider. She's not allowed to have that in the condition that she lives in as a widow as a foreign widow, as a Moabite widow in Israel, she's got to have someone show her grace. Someone has to become her redeemer. And that's so true of us spiritually. I mean, we might think we're smart and we might think we're strong and we might be successful and we might have comforts and we might have blessings in the flesh. But if you stand before God without Christ Jesus, without a redeemer, you will be exposed and you will not have anyone to protect you from his wrath. You've got to have a redeemer. There's no way around it. And the only redeemer we have is Christ Jesus our Lord. It's an incredible picture that God gives us here of this vulnerability, if you will, and the need, if you will, that Ruth has. But now here's the crazy thing. It says, in, as we go on, it says, he leans forward, says, who are you? It's pitch black. He can't see who she is. If, she could, if he could have seen her, he would have known. But he doesn't know who it is. And so she says, I'm Ruth, your maid. Spread your covering over your maid for your close relative. And that close relative, like I said, it means kinsman, redeemer. And it's this kind of crazy thing. Why would Boaz redeem Ruth? I mean, we all kind of know, if you've been around the Bible, that, that there is a commandment, and we're going to read it in Deuteronomy 25, that says if a brother is married and he dies without children, that another brother should marry the wife, have children with the wife, and the children that are born first will be the dead brother's children. All right, let me read it so you understand. Deuteronomy 25, 5 and 6 says, When brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the deceased shall not be married outside the family to a strange man. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her to himself as wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. It shall be that the firstborn 
whom he, she bears shall assume the name of his dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. Clear enough. Very strange to us, but clear enough. The name was important and the families were important in Israel. But Boaz was not a brother to Ruth's husband. So he's not obligated to do this for her in that sense, for sure. He's not obligated to raise up children for her. He's not obligated to be the kinsman redeemer redeemer in that aspect. But over in Leviticus 25, 47 through 49, it says, now if the means of a stranger or of a sojourner with you become sufficient and a countryman of yours becomes so poor with regard as to sell himself to a stranger who is sojourning with you or to the descendants of a stranger's family, then he shall have redemption right after he's been sold. One of his brothers may redeem him, or his uncle, or his uncle's son may redeem him, or one of his blood relatives from his family may redeem him, or if he prospers, he may redeem himself. This is what we're talking about, the Redeemer. No, Boaz wasn't family directly as a brother, but he was family. And no, Ruth and Naomi weren't slaves at this point in time, but they were widows without protector and without provider. And quite honestly, Elimelech had been given land there in Israel, and he would have had to gotten rid of that land. And there was no way for Naomi or Ruth to buy that back. And so there was a kinsman redeemer, right? Boaz is that kinsman redeemer. And what he would literally do was buy back the land, And he would have to, if you will, at that time, buy back Naomi so he'd be responsible to take care of her. And he would literally need to marry Ruth. And we're going to see that in chapter 4. So take my word for it or read ahead if you want to. But he was going to have to make all these commitments to them if he was going to be the kinsman redeemer. And so she's saying to him, don't just marry me, but redeem me. Redeem the land that belonged to Elimelech, redeemed Naomi, who was Elimelech's wife, and redeemed me by marrying me, though I am a foreigner, though I do not deserve anything. Be my redeemer, be my savior. It is an incredible picture of what God has called us to in Christ Jesus, to come to the place where we know, right, We don't deserve a thing, and yet there is this Redeemer, and we come to him by faith and say, save me, save me. Can't save myself, save me. Well, let's go on. Let's see what what happens, because I'm quite sure that that might have been a pretty tense moment for Ruth. I mean, if she's asking him to redeem her, and he says no, what does she have, right? But look what it says, verse 10. Then he said, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown... Your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask, for all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now, it is true, I am a close relative. However, there is a closer relative than I. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning." I kind of love this because it, it, it just makes me chuckle a little bit. I mean, how many of you know that Ruth is a love story, right? I, I've heard a lot of people tell me, oh, I love the book of Ruth. It's a love story. Because, you know, we all in America love love stories, don't we? 
We love the love story where, you know, you're in a, you're in a room and you look across the room and your eyes lock, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, it's got to be love at first sight. And you, you don't walk across the room to meet, you float, you know, Ooh, it's, it's amazing. You can't think of anything else. Your eyes lock, your hands grab and you just start dancing, right? And you just tell everybody, the, each other, the great secrets of your life and you live happily ever, ever, ever after, right? It's, it's romantic, I mean, that's what every woman in America wants is romance, right? And every guy's like, ugh. <laughs> I'm trying, baby. <laughs> I can talk about this freer now because Beth's not here, you know? But, uh, but it just makes me laugh because, you know, it kind of sounds like it's going to be romantic. She puts herself out there, cover me with your cloak, make mine, make, make, make me yours, Give me a, you know, a covenant to be with you. And he's like, you know what? That's great. Everybody in town knows what a woman of excellence you are. But I just want you to know, there's a redeemer closer than me. And if he wants to redeem you, then, then good. <laughs> but if he doesn't, then I'll go ahead and do it. You're like, <laughs> well, there went the romance right out the door. But I want you to make sure you understand something. I mean, romance is, is all good. It's good. It's great. I mean, I, I won't lie to you. I felt pretty hard for Beth, and Beth felt pretty hard for me, which is even more amazing, by the way. Really amazing. And, and there really hasn't been literally any days since then, other than when I'm gone, that we aren't together. We like to be together. I love my wife. I love her deep. But if, if you think that the romance that I just described is what defines love, you're sadly mistaken. I mean, love is this incredible commitment. That's what love is. I mean, if you've been married for more than a month or maybe six months, I don't know, when life begins to happen, if you're almost married, if you're like five days from getting married, <laughs> JC and Marla are back there like Friday night like you know <laughs> they're probably thinking oh that's exciting or oh <laughs> what's going to happen I mean, if you've been married at all for any kind of amount of time you realize that life comes into that marriage doesn't it hard things come into that marriage there's problems between you and your wife and your personalities there's struggles with finances kids come into the picture kids are costly and difficult and demanding and and then there's sickness and there's all kinds of other stuff that comes in there temptations and sin and you get in there and you're like man what happened to the romance and and why don't we have that same feeling anymore because we're struggling with this relationship there's hardships in that and quite honestly, in America today, it's so fashionable when the, when the trials come that you go, you know, just what, I don't love you anymore. Don't you love that? I fell out of love with you. It, that's, like, that's like one of the greatest excuses ever that people make in America. I fell out of love with you. That's a lie. Just that's a lie. That's never true. We choose not to love. We choose not to love or we choose to love. Now here's Boaz going, I'm going to tell you what, this may not be ideal romance. I'm much older than you are. You could have gone after younger guys. I really appreciate the fact that you didn't. That's kind of impressive. But I want you to know what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to redeem you. There's a guy closer to me. If he chooses to redeem you so that you have a protector and a provider, 
or someone that's going to promise to be committed to you, then let him do that. He's going to make that choice. He's going to be what you need him to be. That's what love is. If he doesn't choose to do it, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to choose to love you because you need someone to love you. Man, if we would make commitments like that today when we're getting married, we'd have some marriages, wouldn't we? And I'm, I'm here to tell you, if you've been married for very long at all, you know there's been times in your marriage you had to commit and then recommit and then recommit because it gets hard. When the trials come and you're broken and she's broken and you don't know how to communicate and you don't know what to say and you don't know how to help and you're just struggling through, you got to go, no, I made a commitment and I'm going to love you just like you are. I'm not waiting for you to get better. And that commitment and that picture of love that comes straight from the heart of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Straight from the heart of God through his son, Jesus Christ, who chooses to love us. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, I love Boaz. Maybe it wasn't love at first sight. Maybe it wasn't romantic love. Maybe it wasn't the picture perfect way for them to come together and make a decision about being husband and wife or him redeeming her. But he made the decision, the commitment to love Ruth. And he tells her at the end, and I love this, he says, so lie down until morning. You don't have to be, you don't have to be worried about this. We're going to make this thing right. I'm going to love you. And then he goes on, verse 14. So she lay down at his feet until morning and rose before one who could, one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. In other words, what he's saying is, go back home before anyone could start spreading rumors about what happened out here. And then he says, give me the cloak that's on you and hold it. So she held it and she measured six measures of barley, <coughs> excuse me, and laid it on her. Then she went into the city when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how is it, how, how did it go, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said, do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. <coughs> and then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he's settled it today. Now I love this. It's simple. They get up in the morning. He says, go back in town before anybody can recognize that you were here. Nothing happened. We're going to keep this above board. It's been above board, and no one gets to second guess this. But before you go, give me your cloak. He measures out six measures of barley. It was between 80 and 100 pounds, and he puts it on her back. So what I'm saying is Ruth was stout. <laughs> stout. This is, a, this is a real woman. And uh, she takes it back in town. <laughs> I know, some things just make me laugh. I'm sorry. <clears throat> you know, but uh, she gets back and Naomi says, how did it go? And, and she tells him, tells her all what Boaz has said. And then she says, and these six measures of barley were for you. For you, Naomi, that I wouldn't come home empty-handed so that you would know, and I love this, so that you would know, Boaz says, I'm going to take care of you too. You see that? He's going to make this covenant with Ruth, but it's going to come with 
Naomi. And it's going to come with the land. And he's going to assume responsibility for Naomi and Ruth. And then Naomi says, so you wait. Wait until the matter turns out because he won't rest until it is. I love this incredible picture of what the kinsman redeemer does. He takes the vulnerable. He takes the broken. He takes the unprotected. And he gives them security. And he gives them peace. Because he tells them, I am going to take care of you. And then the crazy thing to me, and we're going to read how it turns out next week. The crazy thing to me is that in all of this, the better picture is the Redeemer who's moving through all of this. The one who brought Naomi and Ruth back even though Naomi was bitter. The one who moved Ruth to end up in Boaz's field even though she didn't know Boaz at the time. The one who moved Boaz to be so kind and gracious to Ruth even though he knew nothing about her and it was risky for him to be kind and gracious to Ruth because she was an outcast culturally and socially. The one who moved Naomi to put Ruth into that position where she would seek a kinsman redeemer and the one who moved Boaz to say, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to make sure you're redeemed. You see, the real redeemer in every circumstance is the good and gracious Lord God Almighty who created us and loves us and wants us to have a relationship with him and moves heaven and earth to bring us to that place where we can be forgiven through Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, there's some of you here today, you don't know why you're here today. You just kind of showed up. You thought, well, I'll just get up this morning and go to College Heights for whatever reason. The truth be known is that the good and gracious Redeemer brought you this way so you can hear about his love, his unconditional, his willing love, his willingness to take you as you are, though you don't deserve it, and there's no way you're ever going to earn it. He brought you here that you might hear about him, Christ Jesus, who gave his life on the cross and rose again. And if you'll believe in him today, if you'll put your faith in him today, he will cover you with his cloak. He'll make you his forevermore and never leave you, not ever. Some of you as Christians, man, we say we know the Redeemer, right? We say we know him. And yet we live our lives without him in so many ways on a daily basis. We don't recognize that even on a daily basis we need him to just cover us, to change our minds, to change our hearts, to give us peace, to give us security. And we go through life as though everything depends on us. And then we're filled with stress, depression, Discouragement, anger, resentment, bitterness, whatever. It's all because though we claim to know him, we're not, we're not laying down at his feet, dependent on him, knowing. We know 
If you're a Christian, you know, you know he'll cover you. You know he will. We're just not letting him. And I don't know where you are today, but if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today you need to say, redeem me. Just buy me back. Buy me out of my sin. Buy me out of my slavery. Buy me out of all the brokenness in my life. Make me yours. Cover me. Cover me with your blood. Save me. Man, if you're not walking close with Jesus as a follower of Christ, why don't you tell him you're sorry? Why don't you kneel down again? Say, Lord, just cover me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you. I love you. I'm amazed by you. I'm amazed by the beauty of your word. I'm amazed by the power of your word. I'm amazed, Lord Jesus, that when we ask you to cover us, you do. Because you've chosen to love us. You chose to go to the cross. You chose to become our sin. You chose to pay the debt for our sin. And then on the third day you rose again. That all the world will know that you are the Son of God. The one and only Savior and Redeemer of all. Pray for those that have never trusted you that today would be the day of their salvation. And Lord I pray for those of us that do know you. May we never take for granted the great redemption that we've been given. And may we continually come back and kneel at your feet asking for you to cover us again and again. Asking for you, Lord, to forgive us again and again and resting securely in Christ Jesus. Lord, have your way as we respond to you this morning. Have your way in us. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing. Our pastors will be down front if you'd like to pray with us. All my life, Lord, I have panted for a drink from some cold spring that I hoped Quench the burning of the thirst I felt within. Feeding on filth around me till my strength was almost gone. Long my soul for something better. satisfies all my longings through his blood and now poor I was and sought for riches something that would satisfy but the dust I Gather round me, only my.
mock my soul sad cry hallelujah he has found me one last soul so long has prayed Jesus satisfies seat if you would. You ladies, come on up here. <laughs> Sorry. So this is Heather and Alice, and uh, they've been coming to College Heights for a little while and been visiting with Pastor Mike, and they've come this morning to say they want to, they feel like God is leading them here to be a part of College Heights. And uh, they've trusted Christ, right ladies? Know him as Lord and Savior. Uh, they've been baptized. I'm super thankful for that. But uh, do you have anything you want to say, ladies? I know, I know. It gets scary with the microphone. It doesn't bite. I don't have a whole lot to say. Um, I just have felt really welcome here, and I can feel God moving here. Um, And I'm excited to be part of that. That's pretty nice. Thank you, Heather. So you know, I say it every single time somebody comes. It's so true. That God adds to his body as he sees fit. And so we believe that God's adding to our body for his good and for his glory. And that means that we're supposed to love these ladies, right, as part of our family. And so we should pray for that and pray for them to love us as well. That we would be a family and do the kingdom work that God wants us to do. So we're going to celebrate. Thanks for, you know, encouraging these ladies. But make sure you come up after we're done praying And welcome these ladies to our church, all right, to just walk with them. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is so good, so good to see you working. So thankful, Lord, for your word that is alive and that speaks to us. So thankful for Jesus who gave his life for us that we might have life through him. So thankful for Heather and Alice this morning and for what you're doing in their lives and for bringing them here to College Heights this morning. Uh, I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us truly love them and to get to know them and to nurture them and encourage them in their, in their walk with you. And, and I pray they would do the same for us, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would let your body be a temple built together of individual temples, that you might be worshiped in us and worshiped through us. 
And we pray, Lord, that you continue to use us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We love you, Lord. We celebrate you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.